Church family, you're finding Joshua chapter 1. We'll begin to read in verse 10 for a few moments this morning. I want to speak to you on this subject. Don't miss God's best. Don't miss God's best. Won't you stand with me, all those that can, and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in Joshua chapter 1. Begin to read in verse number 10. The Bible says these words. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourself, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and to the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we believe the truths of what Ryan Eric sang this morning. You are here in our midst. Your spirit uh, is leading us and calling us. God, you want your best in every heart and life. For some, it may be that they've never turned and trusted you to be Lord of their life. God, we pray they'll do that today. Someone who's saved, God, may stand in need of revival. They're not experiencing your best. It's their best, but it's really not even close to your best. And we pray, God, that they'll turn from control of their life. And one, as they did when they first got saved, they'll resubmit their life to your lordship. God, other decisions in this place, whatever they are, we pray your spirit will speak clearly to hearts and lives. And during a time of invitation, God, we'll yield ourselves to what you're calling us to do today. And even in this service right now, we won't miss your best for our life. Bless this time. Be honored and glorified through it all. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I about you to be seated. Remember that as we come to the book of Joshua, uh, the nation of Israel has been wandering in the desert for 40 years, just going around in circles. And two things have happened, uh, death and discipleship. Everyone 20 years of age and older uh, has died except for Caleb and Joshua. They were the only two spies that were sent over at Kadesh Barnea 40 years earlier who didn't rebel and stir the people up to make the wrong decision. But they challenged all the congregation of Israel to respond with faith and to trust God and to cross over. And because the people rebelled, God made them wander for 40 years and everybody 20 years in age and up has died. But also during that time, Moses continued to disciple the people and to prepare them to be able to cross over and go. And it's, it's time to do that. Joshua's been commissioned to lead a new generation over. And it's time for Israel now to cross over Jordan and to experience God's best. Remember John 10, 10 says, The thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus also says, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And life more abundantly is what was on the other side of the Jordan. Remember, it was through the blood of the Lamb that they chose to strike to the doorposts of the house they were living in. It's, that's what made the difference when the death angel came by, that last judgment of death in Egypt. And through that, they were led out of Egypt's captivity. That's a picture of salvation. But now they have an opportunity to experience the abundant life here on this earth, life more abundantly. And that's what Canaan represented for them. It was a picture of of crossing over to experience God's best on this earth. And for Israel to experience God's best, there were four things that had to be done for that to take place. As born-again followers of Christ, these four same things must be realities in our lives. 
if we're going to experience daily God's best. Notice those four things with me this morning. First off, number one, there was a call to prepare. Look again at your Bibles in verse number 10. The Bible says, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp, and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourself. Uh, some of you may have a translation in your uh, laps that says, Prepare victuals for yourself. For us in the country, that'd be victuals. Uh, they're speaking of food. Uh, these provisions, literally in the Hebrew, to prepare physical provisions to sustain your physical health. He's talking about food. And so to stay strong for conquest and battle that lay ahead, they needed physical sustenance. They had to do that. And so, uh, you know, I've, I've never understood people, you know, that claim, you know, they just eat, you know, a little here and there, and, you know, you need to eat the right things. Uh, but, you know, in order to perform through the day the way you need to, your body needs nourishment. You have to stay hydrated, and you need to be uh, and have the proper nourishment. God made us that way. And so for the physical labor that they were going to have to exert in conquering these cities and, and claiming this land, they needed physical sustenance. And so manna was still falling. Uh, manna, literally translated, is what is it? Um, ladies, I know you just you appreciate so much when you try a new recipe and you sit it down on the table and your husband, you know, and the kids and grandkids look at it and say, what is this? Don't you just, doesn't that just bless your heart when they say it with that tone and inflection? What is this? Well, literally, that's what the nation of Israel said. The manna fell from heaven and the nation of Israel looked at it and said, what is this? Well, what it was was God's provision for their physical sustain, uh, that they would be able to live during these 40 years. Uh, Exodus chapter 16, if you want to write that in the corner of your Bible, it speaks about uh, manna. It tells some different things about it. Manna was round, it was white, it fell at night, it lay on the dew, so it never touched the, uh, the, the, the filth of the earth. It was to be gathered daily, except twice on Friday, because they had to have twice enough uh, to last for the Sabbath. And it's really, manna was a type of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 6, uh, details that and bears that out. It was round, that speaks of his eternality. It was white, that speaks of his purity. It fell at night. Jesus was the bread that came down from heaven. It lay on the dew. It was never contaminated by the pollutions of the earth. Christ walked upon this earth, but he was never contaminated by the sin uh, of this world. It was something they had to internalize, and so is Jesus Christ. And so it, it was something that tasted like a wafer, the Bible says, made with honey. And so manna was still falling. And even though they were crossing over, they needed to be reminded that they needed physical strength in order to serve the Lord. Well, we too need physical strength for the demands of ministry. But listen to me, far more than physical strength and physical sustenance, we need spiritual strength that comes from spiritual strength. Sustenance. In John chapter 6, Jesus began to speak about the manna that had fallen. John chapter 6, began reading verse 48. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they're all dead. But this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever and the bread that I shall give is my flesh which I give for the life 
of the whole world. And so Jesus was talking about receiving him spiritually. That is, turning from sin and feasting on him. And when you receive Jesus Christ into your life as Lord of your life, friend, you pass from spiritual death to spiritual life. But there was also an application for our spiritual needs. In John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus said this, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, listen, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Well, in Luke chapter 4 and verse number 4, after 40 days, stay with me, of intense fasting, and now he's being tested by Satan, he has a physical need. He's hungry. He hasn't eaten in 40 days. And, G and Satan comes and begins to try to aggravate that physical need that he had. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 2, the Bible says, being tempted for 40 days by the devil, in those days he ate nothing. But afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone that it shall become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 3. Now remember, for 40 years, Moses has been preparing the nation of Israel to cross over, to experience God's best on the other side of the Jordan. And Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 3, he, he reminds the nation of Israel, said, God humbled you. He allowed you to hunger, stay with me, and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Listen, don't miss this. God was telling the nation of Israel, through Joshua, that one of the things they needed to do to experience his best was to prepare provisions. They needed to have physical food. But he taught them a lesson through the manna. The manna was really just a, an illustration of the spiritual needs that they had. And though they needed to eat manna every day, the manna represented the Word of God. They needed to feast on God's Word that they could be sustained spiritually as well. And so daily they had to turn to God's Word and strengthen themselves spiritually for the chores and the work of the day. They had to have physical strength in order to take the cities, to fight the battles. But friend, they also were going to be in another fight. There was going to be a devil that was against them every single day. They had an enemy that wanted to cause them to fall. And listen, we don't have to go far, but just at the conclusion of Jericho, and there Achan begins to be tempted by Satan and yields into that. He should have armed himself with the word of God that had told them they weren't to take any of the spoils for themselves. And so when they come to Ai, they're going to suffer great defeat because Achan and his family, they didn't prepare for themselves the spiritual food that they needed. Physical bread strengthens for physical work, but spiritual bread strengthens for spiritual work. He says you need to prepare provisions. And my friend, you and I daily through the personal study of God's Word, must feed on God's Word to find the spiritual strength that we need to experience His best. I'm convinced that the reason so many Christians look so spiritually peaked, so spiritually weak, and so underperform is they're not feasting on God's Word daily. They don't have the, fit, the spiritual strength that they need 
to sustain the fight that God's calling them to fight in the life that He wants to live through them. Your spiritual life will never rise above the time of quality and quantity that you give to God's Word every day. Listen, it's not just about putting 30 minutes in or 15 minutes in if your mind is a thousand different places. And my friend, it's not about just sitting there for 30 seconds focused on God's Word and then getting on with your day. There must be quality, but there also must be quantity. And you, you hide God's Word in your heart, Psalm 119, that you might not sin against God. Now listen, Joshua chapter 5, the man is going to cease. Right now they're feasting on a fundamental diet of manna. But when they cross over, the manna's going to stop and they're going to enter into more of a robust diet. Uh, Deuteronomy 8 speaks about some of these things. He says, The Lord your God's bringing you into a land full of brooks of water, fountains and springs that flow out of the valley. So there's always going to be fresh water. A land of wheat, barley, uh, of vines and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive oil, honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. You will lack of nothing. And so they're going from this fundamental diet to a more robust diet. Listen to me, friend. It's God's plan that when you cross over into the abundant life, you move from the fundamental feasting of the faith, those basic fundamental principles that we find in Scripture, to a more robust diet of God's Word. God wants you to dig in, not just be so surface. Yet Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Jonah got swallowed by the great fish. Great. Those are all fundamental truths. But learn about spiritual gifts. Learn how to, how to better use Scripture to share it, to, to lead people to Christ, to help disciple them in the commands of Christ. And you'll never learn to do those things, friend, if you don't get off a fundamental scriptural diet and get into the meat of God's Word. If you understand that this morning, say amen. That's God's desire, that you get off the manna and you get onto the deeper truths of God's Word that He wants to teach you. But it begins, listen, with a daily provision. They had to make sure that they gathered the manna and they prepared food so that they had the, the physical strength that they needed. But it was an illustration of the spiritual strength that they needed that they had to turn to God's Word and hide it in their heart. And so must we if we'll experience God's best. So there was the preparation. Second, notice, uh, there was the call to position. The call to position. Now you have to put your thinking caps with me on, with me on this one. Uh, but there's, there's some honey in the rock if you'll... Stay with me on this. So verse 11 says, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourself. Watch it. For within three days, you will cross over this Jordan. Three days. Well, for anyone that's been around the church for any amount of time, if we begin to talk about three days, what's something that comes to your mind? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember that in Jonah chapter 1 and in verse number 7. Poor old Jonah. God told him one way to go, and he went to the other. And he got onto the ship. The great storm came. He knew it was him. The men feared the Lord. Verse 16 of Jonah chapter 1 said they offered a sacrifice and they took, uh, to the Lord and took vows. They were more spiritual than Jonah was. But verse 17 of Jonah chapter 1 says, The Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and for three nights. Well, in Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 40, 
Jesus began to speak about his resurrection, he talked about uh, the prophet Jonah. He says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And Romans chapter 5 and verse number 10 says this, for if we were, if when we were enemies, don't miss this, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Hear me this morning. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, friend, it brings us out of sin's captivity. Every man had to take a lamb. He had to kill the lamb in Egypt. He had to choose to apply the lamb to the doorposts of his, his home. And when the death angel passed by, they were able to experience the judgment of death by the blood of the Lamb. And when Christ died for our sins, friend, listen, He led us out of sin's captivity. But what leads us into the abundant life, don't miss this, is not the death of Christ, but the life of Christ. It's the resurrected Jesus, friend, that leads us into life and life more abundantly. He says, prepare yourself for in three days, you're going to cross over into the abundant life. And my friend, it's only after Jesus was in the grave for three days that we're able to experience life and life more abundantly. But they had to position themselves to do that. The nation of Israel had to, had to position themselves to cross over into the best life that he was giving them and leading them into. It's a willed decision. They, they, had, to, they had to get on the brink of the Jordan. They had to make the preparations but then they had to position themselves so that they could cross over. And the abundant life, friend, that God has planned for each of you. Friend, I love telling people this. When someone gets saved, it is so refreshing to be able to share with them these truths. You're not going to go to hell when you die because you've trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life. Sin's penalty no longer rests upon you anymore. Jesus took it upon himself. But it, it, it gets even better if it could get better. You get to experience heaven on earth now. God has, no, no matter what's happened in your life prior, God has a perfect will for your life and for your family. And if you'll simply discover what it is and cross over with him, friend, he'll bring it to pass in spite of everything that could make it happen. Now, friend, I want to tell you, you can't get better news than that in what the dark day we live in. God has a plan for your life. It doesn't matter what, what's going on in the economy, the housing market, in Washington, around the world. Nothing can thwart what God wants to do in your life except you. Except you. God has something he wants to do. And so we have to make a choice after we get saved to position ourselves. That is, we come to a place that we yield ourselves that God's best might be done in our lives. What am I saying? Listen to what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Paul says, I've died. The old me, I don't want anymore. In Acts chapter 9, he was heading to Damascus. He was going, friend, to get more warrants so that he could see more Christians killed. Paul was an enemy of the cross. But Jesus loved him and died for him. And so Christ called him, the Holy Spirit drew him. He chose to turn from sin and said, Lord, what will you have me do? He surrendered his life to Christ's lordship. And so he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, 
but Christ lives in me. Don't miss this. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What's Paul saying? The life that I live now, I'm not really living it. It's Jesus living it through me. And so, my friend, you have to choose to position yourself, and you position yourself by just laying your life down at the feet of Jesus. You lay you down, you lay your marriage down, you lay your family down. And church, can I just remind you again, if we want to see God's best done in this church in these days, we lay our church down at his feet. And we say, Lord, you do what you want through my life. You do what you want through my marriage. You do what you want through my family. You do what you want through our church. And wouldn't it be something if the leaders of our country would just get down on their knees in Congress and sin and say, Lord, you do what you want to do through our country. What a difference it would be. Friend, you must position yourself to experience God's best as you yield yourself in humility and submission for a risen Savior to live His best life through you. And it's a daily choice. It certainly takes place at salvation. But it's an everyday choice. Friend, the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. Every day you've got to choose to get up and you resubmit your life to Christ's Lordship as He wills and lives the life He desires through you. So there's the call to prepare. There's the call to position. But also there's a call to possess. Look what the Bible again says in Joshua Chapter uh, 1 and verse 11 says, Pass through the camp, command the people to prepare provisions for themselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. He says, you, you've got to go seize it. Christ is going to do his part, but my friend, listen, you've got to do your part. God was going to do his part. He was going to dry the Jordan up. Listen, it's at flood stage right now. Complete flood stage. But God's going to dam it up with his word. They're going to walk over on dry ground. They're going to go up to walled cities, and God's going to make the cities fall. But listen, they still had to fight. They still had to go. There were things that they still had to do. God wants to do a work in you and through you. But you're still going you're still gonna to have to go. I say this all the time, and I, I guess it irritates some people. depends on what side of the political fence you're on. But friend, listen, our country blesses laziness, God doesn't. If you would experience God's best friend, you've got to work. You're not working for salvation, but friend, listen, you've got to follow God and do the things that he's calling you to do. You want, you want God's best life? Go get it. Follow the Lord into his will. But you've got to go. They had to cross, they had to fight, they had to build. And it's a desire to keep experiencing more. They didn't get over to, to, to Jericho and say, you know what, I think this is as far as we're going to go. They didn't get to Ai and say, you know, I think we're good here. Now, we're going to see two and a half tribes did. But the other people, they wanted more. And what, one of my favorite chapters we're going to get to later, one of my heroes is Caleb. Caleb is well into his senior years. I mean well into his senior years. And there was some mountain country that hadn't been claimed that had some difficult people to fight there. And Caleb said, hey, Joshua, give me that mountain. He says, I want one more fight before I see God. Would you just give me one more opportunity to do something? He never settled. 
He realized, friend, the best is never in the past. I want to tell you, one of my greatest pet peeves is in a church when everybody talks about the good old days. Listen, friend, the good old days are only the best days if you let them be that. For the child of God, the best days should always be the ones that we're living in now. This is the day the Lord has made. I will and be in it. Not just to talk about yesterday, but to experience God's best today. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and in verse number 12, he says, not that I've already attained. My friend, my goodness, all that Paul did, the churches he planted, the souls that he won, I would love to debate anybody if there's ever been a Christian that's accomplished more for the church than the Apostle Paul did. And still he writes to the church at Philippi, not that I've already attained. What he means by that is, I haven't arrived yet. He said, there's so much more I want to do for Jesus Christ. And literally what he means is, I want him to do through me. He said, I'm not already perfected. Listen to that. The Apostle Paul, who only second to Luke, wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else. Only Luke and Luke Acts wrote more. And Paul says, I'm I'm not perfected. He says, but I press on. I keep walking forward into God's best that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He says, Christ has already got it. I've just got to co-claim it. Friend, listen, the promised land on the other side of the flood, it was already belonged to the nation of Israel. All they had to do was go over and claim it. And I'm telling you this morning, if you've been saved, God has a perfect best life for you. It's on reserve. It's waiting. All you have to do is just keep walking forward into it each day. He says, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forward to those things that are ahead. I press toward the goal of the upward prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Friend, the best days are only in the past if you want them to be. They're only in the past. How many people do you talk to? I mean, they'll talk the, the better days that they've had in their Christian life. Boy, years ago, I did this. And years ago, our family. And years ago, our church. Well, praise the Lord for years ago. But what did you do yesterday? And what are you doing today? What's your goal for tomorrow? God's plan is not for us just to sit and soak in yesterday, my friend, but to keep moving forward into His best. Now, I'm telling you, on the authority of God's Word, He has a will for your life, your marriage, your family, and He does for this church. The best days of Greenwood, friend, are not behind us unless we want them to be. Unless we want them to be. But we can still continue to be a thriving church that makes a difference in our community, that is salt and that is light. A church where people know, friend, they can come and get clean drinking water from God's Word. It's not tainted or slanted to appease the crowds, but it is the pure Word of God. God's God's best is before us. But we have to choose to possess it. If you have breath in your body this morning, say amen. God's not done with you. There may be a widow that's here this morning. You say, well, you know, my husband's passed away. My best days are behind me. Only if you want them to be. God has a new, God, if you're still here, God wants to do something through you. There may be a widower here who say, well, you know, I, my, my wife's passed away, my best days are behind me. 
Only if you want them to be. Only if you want them to be. Somebody may have a physical problem that's limited your, your physical ministry. You say, well, best days are behind me. Only if you want them to be. My friend, you can go to heaven being the best prayer warrior there's ever been. You might be able to serve, but you can pray. And friend, I'm telling you, that's the need of the hour. We need prayer. And so don't give in to the devil that the best days are yesterday. My friend, the best days are ahead because sooner or later, friend, listen, we're going to get promoted and then we're going to be living in the real best days. And that's to be with the Lord. So you have to go possess it. Fourth, and I close with this, I hope you get this one because you need it. Because, my friend, this is, this is the norm today. Here, it was the minority Today, it's the majority. You, it's, it's the call to protect. Look what the Bible says in verse number 12. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, verse 13, Remember the, Lord, the word of the Lord, which, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives and your little ones, your livestock, shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan, but you shall pass before your brethren armed all your mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you, and they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side of the Jordan Toward the sunrise. Well, what in the world is Joshua talking about? We have to reference Numbers chapter 32. As Gad and Reuben and half the tribe of Manasseh were walking around on this side of the Jordan, they began to spy out the land and to look at it and say, you know what? This looks pretty, this looks like good grazing land here. And well, maybe, maybe we just won't cross over. I know God wants and is commanded all 12 tribes to cross over into the promised land. But this looks pretty good right here. To me, I mean, I love the Lord, and we want to serve the Lord, but what do we have to cross? I mean, we're walking over some good land to get the land we haven't even seen yet. And the wrath of God almost fell on them right there. And so God gave them the desire of their heart that those two and a half tribes didn't have to cross over into his best but the men who were able to fight would go over. Don't miss this part. They would serve. They would help conquest the land for the other nine and a half tribes. But then once their term of service was over, all the land had been won for the rest of the nine and a half tribes, then they would cross back over into their best. And so there was the call to protect. They were going to cross over, but the rest that the Bible speaks of right here in the Hebrew, and the life they would have, it wouldn't be the same as the other nine and a half tribes. There, there wouldn't be protection like the other tribes had. They were cut off from worship. They were cut off from security. They were cut off from fellowship. Listen, what they were really cut off is this. They were cut off from God's best. Don't miss this part. God's perfect plan wasn't for them to live on that side of the Jordan, the east side. It was for them to cross over to the west side. But they just decided, friend, this is what I want. I want this. 
And I just feel that God, if it's what I want, that God would have me to have it. And so this is what I want for my life. And so I'm going to talk to God and see if I can't have that. And friend, I'm telling you, you've got to protect, protect yourself against that kind of mindset. Because there are people every Sunday, listen to me, and every Wednesday who show up and serve. They help the local church fight in great commission warfare. But then they get in their car and they drive off the church property and they recross the Jordan back into their best and not God's. They live how they want to, Monday, Tuesday, the majority of Wednesday. They cross back over and help serve and fight. But then as soon as that's over, they get back in their car, they cross the Jordan, and they live their life however in the world they wish to live the rest of the week. Friend, what, what's all, all equal? They're not all in. They're not all in. And they're not experiencing God's best. I'm telling you, friend, it was the minority there that were doing that, but the day in which we're living, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, it's the majority that are doing that. Many are going to places where everybody's telling, hey, that's fine. That's fine. You just show up and help us fight on Wednesday and Sunday and any other time we meet. You can help us fight by giving. And then, listen, you just live however you want to the rest of the time. And God's going to bless that. And really, if that's what you want, then that's God's best. And friend, I'm telling you, the only way you can experience God's best is to submit your life to His Lordship and to be in His will wherever it is to be, at all times, in all places. And God's will for the nation of Israel wasn't the east side, but the west side. But two and a half tribes thought they knew better than God. And I'm telling you, friend, that's the prevailing doctrine today. I think, I want, I desire. My friend, I don't exist in a surrendered life to Jesus Christ. I don't exist. Where does God want me to be? What does God want me to be doing? What does God want for my family? What does God want for my marriage? What does God want for my local church? Then that's what I do. I'm telling you, you've got to be careful to protect yourself against that. So he was calling the nation of Israel. He was throwing that back out in front of them saying, don't be like these two and a half tribes that are going to miss out on God's best. Because the fruit wasn't going to be the same. The land wasn't going to be the same. And spiritually, it wasn't going to be the same. And my friend, if you study history, it was, it was those tribes who first suffered defeat when Assyria came and began to judge the northern kingdom because they were cut off from God. You better protect yourself against that. If you want to experience God's best, the only way you'll experience it, my friend, is a complete, total surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Don't miss God's best. How do you do that? One, prepare food daily. You every day as a child of God, my friend, you've got to get up, eat your oatmeal, drink your coffee. But my friend, more important than that, you've got to feast on God's Word. It's something you've got to do daily and hide it in your heart. Two, you've got to position yourself every day to cross. Before the day begins, friend, you, you again say, God, I don't exist, but you do. You live the life through me that you desire to live. And I'll follow. Possess it. Make it your life's ambition to experience everything that Jesus died and rose again to give you spiritually and physically. 
here upon this earth. And be on guard. Be on guard. Things you hear on the radio, books that are out there. Friend, be, be on guard. And be on guard against other people's lifestyles who, who come in to serve, but they drive out to cross back over to the east side. Don't do that, friend. You follow God into a life of abundance. And if you do that, you won't miss God's best. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. My friend, it begins first by being freed from the penalty of sin. Israel would not be where they are ready to cross over, hear me, if they hadn't been led out by the blood of the Lamb. And you, my friend, you'll never be able to experience anything that God wants to do in your life until you deal with the sin. Sin separates you from God, Isaiah 59 too. The penalty of sin one day, my friend, if you die without Jesus, will send you to a place called hell. But Christ died so that you don't have to go there. And if you'll only choose to turn from sin and trust him to be Lord of your life, the Bible says he'll save you. Tell him so even right now where you sit. Just trust Christ to be Lord of your life today for the very first time. Say, God, forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus died. I believe he rose again. And I surrender my life to his lordship today as I turn from all my sin to him in saving faith. Be Lord of me. Now lead me into the life that you desire to live through me. That's my prayer. If you prayed that minute, I invite you to step forward here in just a moment when we stand our feet. Just make your way to the front side. I prayed that prayer this morning. I want to share what God wants to do next with you in your life. Child of God, answer this question truly before God today. Now be honest. He knows the truth, and you do too. Are you really experiencing God's best in your life today? Have you really crossed over into the abundant life that he wants to live through you? Do you daily get up and prepare spiritual food? Are you positioning yourself, that is, yielding yourself for Christ to live the life he wants to live through you? Is it truly, I mean, your singular desire to possess all that God has for you as you surrender your life to his lordship? Are you being influenced? Or maybe you're one of these borderline Christians. Thank God for your service in this church. But you come Sunday and Wednesday, whenever it's your time on the sheet, only to leave and cross back over into your best life. Turn from all that today. If God's convicting you today and showing you you're not experiencing His best, leave position to do it today. Father, speak to your church. Challenge us. God, I do. I pray for our church family. I pray that you will continue to lead us into your best. Continue to give us direction, guidance, what you want to do through our church to help us reach this community, this country, this nation, uh, this, this world that's so marred in sin. Continue to lead us and guide us. And I pray, God, we'll be leadable and we'll surrender to what your will is for our church at all times. Bless this invitation. Speak to us now, God. I pray your will be done, hearts and lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's